Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 54 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today recently made his return to Ring of Honor as a member of Violence Unlimited. He's an ROH original. I'm talking about former ROH world champion, <coughs> Homicide. Homicide, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, it is it is a pleasure to have uh, a true ROH original. As I said, uh, when people talk about day one, you're day one, man. You were you were there. <laughs> the era of honor begins back in 2002. So you are the very definition of an ROH original. Yes, and it's just crazy that it's been so many years, and I'm happy for the company is still going strong. And wow, it's just amazing ride. Well, I don't want to give away any spoilers because uh, some of our fans haven't seen the latest episode of Ring of Honor Wrestling. In fact, uh, if you want to see it, if you're watching this, or I'm sorry, if you're listening to this, I should say, on Monday, April 26th, the match will be, you can watch that episode tonight uh, on Fight TV and on ROHWrestling.com. And if you started at 7 p.m. Eastern time and go over to Twitter, you can join the ROH Watch Party. Uh, but the main event on that episode, it's a six-man tag, Violence Unlimited, yourself, Brody King, and Chris Dickinson against La Faction and Gobernable, which is ROH world champion Roosh, Kenny King, and La Bestia Del Ring. So I got to yeah. ask you, man, how did, again, we're not going to give away any spoilers because people haven't seen it yet, but what was it like after seven years to be back inside working in an ROH ring? I was very surprised, to be honest with you. I wasn't like, <laughs> it was more of a lot of emotional things going through my head. Like, is this for real? Like, I got a phone call, and basically they told me to come to the venue. Um, myself, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Tony Deppin, they gave me the blueprint, what's going on. And mind you, I was, I was still like, yeah, okay, like a regular day. Don't go to work, get paid, and leave. And in the end, and that's when I realized, wow, I'm really back. Like, I can't believe this. Like, that's when they really hit me afterwards. And um, I'm still, to this day, I'm a little bit surprised of this great comeback because when I left Ring of Honor, um, I thought I was never going to come back, not because of a bad political or business-wise. It was just one of those, like, I did everything, you know. Now that I see that I'm older right now, I see myself doing more stuff for the company and making it bigger the way it is right now. So I'm just very blessed right now to be part of this group and be part of a new chapter and a new era because back in the days, a lot of fans never saw my work in the old days of Ring of Honor, and I raised some hell. Do you really think people like Steve Austin raised hell and WWF, man, I raised hell back in the days with the Rock Wilders, had famous feuds where people, heroes, 
like CM Punk, Simone, Joe, Coco, Banner, Beat the Women, the list going on and on and on. I'm just very, uh, very blessed and very happy to be part of this new era. Well, I know I speak for all the longtime Ring of Honor fans and the new fans as well, I'm sure, and everybody at Ring of Honor, that it is, it is such a pleasure uh, to have you back in Ring of Honor. As we said, man, ROH original, um, you're a former world champion. So many great memories for those of us who watched Ring of Honor back in the day uh, of Homicide. And we're going to get to a lot of that stuff later on in the podcast. Some of those names you mentioned, uh, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, some of those guys you work with, we definitely want to talk about. Brian Danielson, obviously. was yes. uh, So when you're walking back into that locker room, again, it's the first time since 2014 you've been in an ROH locker room. You see probably a few familiar faces, um, also a lot of new faces. Yes. What was that experience like? I mean, were, uh, were the younger guys just like, wow, this is homicide? Were they coming up to you like that? Or like, what, what was it like? Yeah, it was more of a humble experience, of course, like the, like the old school guys, like uh, the, the day one guys come up to me, you know, you know, it's one of those hugs. How you doing? How's the family? How's, you know, everything. And I'm happy you're back. You know, like people like the Briscoe brothers, Jay Lethal, you know, even Todd Sinclair, the senior official referee for the company, the staff members. It was one of those, like, a happy moment. Like, man, welcome back, OG. And it was it was a happy moment because I'm very humble. I'm like, well, whatever. I'm just like a regular guy for the streets trying to get paid and win matches. <laughs> but, man, the, those guys treat me so good. And the new guys, you know, they come up to me like they never heard of me or never seen me, but that day was a little bit different. Some of them, you know, give a little bit of praise, like, uh, welcome back. You know, it's like I'm a a baseball manager, like maybe a pitcher coach. And I just go in there and, you know, try to make the little twos get together. But it was so awesome, so good. Uh, like I say, man, I'm just one of those guys that I'm very humble. I'm not, I don't want to be one of those, like, you know, big parties, welcome back. Nah, I'm, really, I'm very humble. <laughs> but I got a lot of people um, giving me uh, a lot of great praises and respect. And that's the one thing I love is respect. Sometimes I love respect more than money. That's crazy just sounds like because I need to spend, you know, a lot of money for my family. But, you know, it's all about respect and that day, I got a lot of respect. And it was so awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, when you have the respect of your peers, uh, you you can't put a price on that. And I, I absolutely understand what you're saying with that. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Brody King, first of all. Now, you were actually supposed to wrestle Brody King back in March of last year, right? You were supposed to yes. face each other at ROH, past versus present. I think that was a match a lot of people were looking forward to. Because yes. as you said, you raised some hell back in the day. Uh, Brody King raised some hell nowadays. So I think people were really, really looking forward to that. And, of course, as we know, uh, that was in March. That was right around the time the pandemic really hit. And uh, that, that show was canceled along with the 18th anniversary show that weekend. Uh, how disappointing was that for you, knowing that, that you, know, you had that show, you had that match against Brody, and then – for circumstances beyond anyone's control, the match didn't happen. 
Oh, very disappointed. I trained my ass off for that fight. <laughs> and usually I just sit down, watch my baseball, you know, talk about my little 420 stories, but that's definitely sorry. But I really trained my butt off. I was getting ready. I was saying to myself, yeah, finally I'm going back, you know, back, go back home, man. I'm going to be wrestling Brody King, who's like the future of professional wrestling, you know. And um, when, when this COVID thing happened, it just crushed my world. I was like, it's not going to happen. You know, the president called me. They're like, hey, I'm sorry, but the show is canceled because it's COVID-19. And I was so disappointed. I was, it was just one of those matches I was really, really looking for. When I say I train my ass up, because on the down low, I really train, like, <laughs> like a lot. But this was a little bit different. You know, this is like a big return, only that wrestle wearing the best. And you know, like I said, man, when the guys told me the show was canceled because of the what's going on in this world, and it let me down. It was like, ah, oh, maybe next time, you know. So next time is now. And look at us now. Now we are partners. We are together. And we trying to uh, achieve something and only that and to achieve a new era of the company. The six-man tag match that you just had, uh, you guys against LFI, uh, as everyone knows who's listening to this, when ROH came back after the pandemic, uh, well, pandemic's still going, after we came back after a little five-month hiatus uh, doing shows again, we've been doing our shows in front of an empty arena. Uh, what was that like for you? I've asked pretty much every, everybody that's been a guest on the show, like how weird was that for them wrestling in front of an empty arena? Had you ever done it before? And, and what was it like for you? Um, I did a couple of times, but to me, it doesn't phase me. I mean, I know a lot of, of the guys saying it really is bombed out, really sucked, that there's no fans because – to me, I'm a trained professional wrestler. Fans are no fans. I'm still going to go out there and perform my ass off. You know, and that's the way I am. You know, like, it doesn't bother me at all. Of course, it'd be better with the fans being there. But mentally, like, it shouldn't bother you. You should go out there, do your job, try, try to win the match, and try to make the company grow. You know, fans or no fans, like my opinion, I go out there, I don't care there's nobody. I'm still going to go out there and perform my ass off and try to make my name and my group name bigger. Not only that, make the company even bigger. So to me, it doesn't bother me at all. It's almost like going to a wrestling school and you train, you know, but it's more intense and it's more like a battle. But it doesn't bother me at all. Let me ask you about the guys that you're working with now in Violence Unlimited. Uh, we talked for a second about Brody King, guy you were supposed to wrestle last year, past versus present. Unfortunately, didn't happen. What about the other guys? Uh, Chris Dickinson, now that's a guy I think you've been in the ring uh, with a few times. I think you've even maybe faced Tony Deppen uh, once or twice. How much did you know about those guys before Violence Unlimited actually formed? Uh, Chris Dickinson, um, I knew Chris Dickinson from New York City. Uh, basically, I was part of this, uh, not group, like an era. And basically, uh, a lot of people calls me the king of New York, I'm the whatever, whatever but it, like I feel like Dickinson is the one that I'm going to pass the torch. And he's the one who's going to 
go out there and make not only New York City happy, but the people like us, the struggling blue collar guys, you know, happy. So I wrestled Dickinson so many times. Like I said, he was a kid. The kid, I like him because he got a great family. The guy, like, his hobby is fishing, but for some reason, he when he goes to the wrestle world, he turns to like a devil, like a demon. Uh, he cannot be messing around. Like, I, I always say, like, I think Satan is fear, like scared of Dickinson. The guy is legit a monster. I love his passion. I love his work. And I feel that he's the one who's going to take over the wrestling business. I always said it. Like, and they call me the king of New York. Well, he's, I'm the one who's going to pass the torch to him. He's going to step it up, and he's going to do it. Tony Deppin, same thing. I be joking around. Like, of course, a lot of people are like, look at look at the way he looks. You know, don't don't ever judge a book of cover. Like, I'm looking myself. You know, I'm like five seven, two hundred pounds. But if you see good fellas, I'll be acting like Joe Pesci in the ring. I'm a firecracker. I'm an animal. I don't care how big you are. I'm gonna get you down. Same thing with Tony Deppin. To me, it looks like a like a doctor, like a librarian, a, a, a gym coach. But he got the biggest heart of the company, you know. And I like Tony Deppin because he got so much passion and so much heart. You know, don't let the look fool you. He will kick somebody's butt. Same thing with Dickinson. Those two are phenomenal guys to be with. And you need those guys in your team. And I had my team back in the days, the Rockwaters with the Havana Pimbos, the Julie Smokes, Low Key. Those guys were dangerous, arm, believable. Those guys, these guys that I mentioned right now, Dickinson, Brody King, and Tony Deppin, they might go to the higher market. Wow. Those guys are, are phenomenal, great. And it's all about heart, man. I don't get, I don't give a damn what anybody say. You don't have to look like. Like Goldberg or Andre the Giant, Bruce Brody recipes, but if you got heart, you gotta go somewhere. And those guys got a lot of heart. Like Brody King, that guy is really a King Kong, a Godzilla, you know. And not only that, this big guy, he does lucha libre style, you know. That's why he's perfect to become a future world champion and defeat Woosh. You know, because he knows his style very good. And it, to me, it's, it's kind of scary, a big guy like himself flying like a like a Ray Mysterio Jr., like the Samoa Joe back in the days. You know, same thing. And he's he's one of the greatest world champions in Ring of Honor. So my point is you got to have a heart, man. I don't care how you look. If you got heart, you're going to go somewhere. And those guys, they got heart. Yeah, there's no question about it. Those guys all have the passion and certainly they can get it done in the ring. Like you said, no matter what the sizes are, don't have to be the biggest guy. Obviously, Brody King is a big guy. Uh, but like you said, Brody does things that you would never expect a guy of his size to do. He basically uses his body as a weapon in yeah. the way he can fly around that ring. And certainly yourself, Dickinson, well, Dickinson's a you know, heavily muscled guy. But Tony Deppin, like you said, not the biggest guy, but certainly uh, can handle himself in that ring. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you though, like you've been in ring of honor, like so many, you were there for so many years. So you've seen it all in ring of honor, the different eras. There were times the company was up. There were times the company was down. Uh, what are your thoughts right now? Coming back in, in 2021, when you look at the roster of talent that's in ring of honor, 
Uh, you see guys you've worked with before, some guys you've never worked with, but overall, uh, what are your impressions on Ring of Honor in 2021? Um, it's new, um, of course, um, but you see a lot of guys who's very hungry, you know, and they're going to, like, when I was there since day one, we had so many guys who was very hungry, especially when I was there in my generation, because we had the East Coast click, and the only thing we want to do is just make it. When ECW closed down, we need something to pick it up. And that's when Ring of Honor came up. And we did pick it up. After these Coast guys came in, here come the Midwest. Here come the West Coast. Now everybody's joining in. And it was a great locker room. But it was one thing about that company, a lot of hungry guys. And now when I went to the locker room, even though it was, it was a little bit different, because of course, the COVID-19 going on and we got protocols and rule sets and everything. But I, when I talk to the new guys, I see that the first thing I do is look in the eyes. I never put my head down. I never looked them in the chest. I want, I want to look them dead in their eyes. And they was hungry. We could talk about anything. They could say, like, I'm a Yankee fan. Of course, they, people tell me Yankees suck. But I'm going to look you right in your eye. And I notice there's hunger there. There's something in there. And I believe that this new era, the new chapter, 2021, Renovana, they're going to go places. There's a lot of hungry kids, and they're going to go somewhere. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future. Well, I think uh, what really helped put Ring of Honor on the map back in the day was pure wrestling. And yes. since we came back, uh, again, we were off for about five months during the pandemic, came back, and the pure wrestling tournament is what kicked off our return and really kind of got the wrestling world talking because no one's really doing pure wrestling like that except Ring of Honor. Uh, but as you guys pointed out in Violence Unlimited – violence is also there's honor in violence and that was a big part of ring of honor back in the day as well so you really have these two styles of wrestling I, the way i look at it like there's something for everybody right if you're oh, yeah. a ring of honor fan you got the pure wrestling you've got the violent matches if you want that you've got the lucha libre guys like it really is a mix of everything and <laughs> And wouldn't you agree that, like, it's kind of like, what do they say, styles make fights, right? To have yes. all these different styles in one promotion. Is that kind of the way you, you look at it? Yes. Um, back, I, man, I always remember, um, I'm a big fan of the NWA 86, 89. That was pro wrestling. When I die now, here comes WCW. Yeah, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio. Of course, the violence of ECW came along. And when everything just, you know, disappeared, that's when Rinovana came in. And, of course, you had the pure wrestling. And I love the technical style. That's kind of a secret that I really love. Like, I tell people, like, yes, like, I'm a brawler, but don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted. I can wrestle. I can do technical stuff. I love catch wrestling. And there's a lot of guys in this company who are pure, pure professional wrestlers, you know. And, of course, you got other people who does the violence, you know. You can see the brawling, the hardcore, and all that stuff, you know. But it usually depends on the story of the match, where you want to go to. Like, if a pure wrestler gets very angry, like Dan Bryan or whatever his name is right now, American Dragon, yeah. I remember he 
was the best technician wrestler of all time. But when you wrestle with me, it's almost like, okay, I got a brawl with Homicide. I never asked for it. I never asked this man, let's brawl. But he wants it. And I'm the one who brings that fire out. And that's what Dan Brother did. He's the one who brings that fire, and he comes the brawling style of, of wrestling. Because pure, like pure, I would say violence, but I would say pure brawling, a brawl, whatever you want to call it, hardcore. It depends who you are. It's beautiful. It depends on how you do it. If you do it the wrong way, then whatever. You know, you go back to the... The, the 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 what is called the backyard whatever you want to call it but pure brawling is a beautiful thing just like pure technical wrestling and there's a lot of great wrestlers in this world especially in Ring of Honor but you also got great pure brawlers in Ring of Honor so it's it's a different style not only that you can bring lucha libre style you can bring Japanese European you got Everything mixing a flavor, you know, like an ice cream <laughs> store, you know. So it's a it's a beautiful thing, and that's why Brenda Von is so popular because they give you everything. Okay, you want you you want to see pro wrestling style? We're gonna give it to you. Oh, you want to see violence? Let's put ball wire around the ring. You know, oh, you want to see like a a lucha libre match, or you want to see anything? They will give it to you, and that's the one thing about Brenda Von. They're so awesome. They will give you every every style of pro wrestling. Yeah, you made a great great point there about the art form of it. I mean, there are like the hardcore style or brawling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's good and bad and uh there is a way to do it like you know I, like you mentioned backyard wrestling or some people call it garbage wrestling um that's not the right way to do it but what you guys do like i think of a classic brawler is a guy like stan hansen oh yeah that's one of, one of my heroes who's <laughs> your brody uh, you know terry funk terry funk all those guys i mean those guys took it to, it was an art form. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it might not be arm drags and headlocks and things like that, but there's still an art form to it, just like there is to technical wrestling. And so mind you, Terry Funk is a pure godfather, hardcore wrestler, but he could also do technical wrestling. Exactly. I mean, he's from the West Texas University football team. He had his own clique with people like Dutch Rose, Bruce Barty, Tony Blanchard, all those guys. But Terry Fine, he could do everything. My teacher is Manny Fernandez, the original book. And he told me you got to learn every style of wrestling. Not only brawling, but you also got to do technical and just everything. And I was a big, big, big fan of the Texas wrestling guys, especially the West Texas guys. And I took their style and I took it to my school to New York City. And basically, I trained them the West Texas all Japan style, and we brought them to Ring of Honor, and then became successful. Yeah, there's no question about that. Well, we're just getting started here. I want to go to our first break, and then we got a lot more to talk about with Homicide right after that. I'm Maynard the Malt Maker. I'm Mega the Bard. I'm Ender the Barbarian. I'm Santi the Bard. And I'm Tia the Wizard. And if you want to see us try to attempt to rob a boat, check out Roleplay of Honor. Join these stars and more for Roleplay of Honor.
We are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My special guest today is ROH original, former ROH world champion, Homicide. Uh, I want to go back all the way now to the to the beginning with you. Let's rewind. At what age did you first discover this business and become a wrestling fan? Were you were you very young when you uh, became a fan? Yes, I was five years old. Uh, I remember my first match I ever see was the Heart Foundation. Uh, that's the British Bulldog. Um, and after that, I saw WrestleMania 3 because at that time, New York City, all we was watching is WWF. But after, like, close to 89, there was a man who was uh, rich. <laughs> I, I felt like he was the Donald Trump of professional wrestling at the time. He was Ric Flair. I hated Ric Flair. He represented the rich. And he used to, like, basically downgrade the poor. I was from the projects. I'm the, I'm a ghetto kid. I'm from the poor. He comes this this guy from Texas, redneck guy, and I always remember it was Wrestle War '89, and um, Terry Funk did did a promo. He was the judge. It was Rick Steamboat and Ric Flair, one of the greatest matches of all time in wrestling. And after that, Terry Funk came in the ring and said, "Like I want a shot of the world title." Ric Flair was like, "Man, you better go back to Hollywood with Sylvester Stallone. You you better go back in line." And I was like, "Oh man, this guy's." A- He's a jerk, you know, like he was just joking. And I was a kid and, and Terry Funk said it. Listen, Rick, I was just joking around. Let me shake your hands. My God, my God, I'm so sorry. And after that, watch out for the left. Terry Funk whooped his butt. I hated Ric Flair at the time, <laughs> you know, because like I say, he represent the rich. He downgrade the poor. He calls Terry Funk. To me, he represent the poor. I didn't know nothing about cultures, about rednecks and the down south and the northeast. I was just a kid. After that, I was watching Terry Funk. I fell in love with his style. And I remember I saw Halloween Havoc 89, Terry Funk, and uh, Great Muda, Bessie Sting, and Ric Flair, and boom. It just, it just took off. That's when I'm like, I want to be a pro wrestler right now. Just watching the match, I want to be a pro wrestler. Uh, I studied Japanese wrestling. I had no clue there was a different style, a different territory of wrestling. I was studying just like doing my homework in, in schools. I was doing homework in wrestling. And I was like at the time, uh, like about 13 years old. And I was gangbanging, doing bad stuff. And I was still... Studying pro wrestling. Now, even my friends, my family, my own mother was laughing at me because they were saying that this is not a real job. This is not a career. You're never going to make it. You know, you're just a fat little kid who played baseball. You're never going to make it. My own mother was saying this. And that kind of motivated me even more. And the more it motivated me, the more I was watching, like, Selmstein, WrestleMania, Great American Bash, just everything. Then I watched Japan stuff. Then I went back to Puerto Rico, and I watched Puerto Rico wrestling. That that was it. That was like, okay, now it's really on. And, yeah, man, just took off. And I feel like even as a joke, I feel like Doogie Howser. Do you remember Doogie Howser, the show? He was six years old. That's yeah. why I am in professional wrestling. Everybody thinks, like, I, I just gambang. 
I, I smoke a lot, I drink a lot, you'd be very surprised. You'd be so, I'm addicted to YouTube right now <laughs> because I watch classics. That's all I do is watch classics. I don't watch nothing right now, not because I don't like it. It's just like I'm so busy, I got a newborn kid and I'm just doing stuff and right now I'm trying not to uh, get ready for the new era of Ring of Honor and you know, try to go behind the scenes. You know, I, I like to, they always say as I get a ghetto kid, like you want to bring back the community. That's what I want to do. I want to bring back the wrestling community because I feel like it did so much stuff for me. I need to return the favor and give it back. Man, you brought back so many great memories right there with that Terry Funk. <laughs> Ric Flair angle. I remember that vividly. That was right after Flair had regained the title from Steamboat. Yes. Um, I, mean, I remember just how that went down. And I think Funk ended up pile driving Flair on the ring announcers uh, or on the ringside table. Yeah. Every, everybody thought that was like, oh my God, he's just pile driving through a, through a table, you know? Like, it was, I just saw a tape back in 83. It was Randy Savage. If I'm not mistaken, it was Randy Savage and Andy Gilbert. And Savage uh, did the table spot, just like Rick Flair, but this time it broke. It went through. Yeah. And after that, that was like, it's so dangerous. Terry Funk is like, hold my beer. I'm going to do this. And he did it. <laughs> Yeah, and it led to that great, uh, what was it called, New York knockout, that great I quit match between yeah. Funk and Flair. I mean, man, it, yeah, so many uh, great memories from that. And um, I think it was really cool hearing your perspective because the way it was portrayed was that Funk was the heel and Flair was the good guy in that. But you saw it from a different I, I, I really did like, like, oh my God, like, like I say, Rick Flair was this rich guy. Like, I don't know why I keep thinking about Connecticut because I'm from New York City. All the rich people are from Connecticut. And they look at us, poor little kids, very down, down. Like, oh, you for the project. We don't like you. So it was like one of those moments. And Ric Flair was, was that. Then, of course, I used to hate the horsemen. <laughs> I love them now. But when I was a kid, I used to hate the four horsemen attacking Sting and Dusty Rhodes. Man, it was what a, what a great era. <laughs> it was, man. You know what I think was really cool about it, too? Because I'll be honest with you. Growing up, I always loved the heels, right? I loved the bad guys. But there was something about Crockett Promotions where the baby faces were so cool and such badasses like Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA and Ronnie Garvin that that was probably the only era where I liked the good guys more than the bad guys. You oh, know? yeah. I loved that. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved the good guys. I, I was Hulkamania. Then after Ultimate defeated him, I think Hulkamania was dead. I was yeah. like, I don't like Hogan no more. <laughs> <laughs> after I became a terrified guy, and I noticed the little things. I'm like, what is this? I, I'm thinking about WWF was the only territory that I saw more stuff out there. And I saw Funk. That the fuck I was watching Hanson and Bruiser Brody, the Blanche and the Mini Fernandez, the Juan Daniel. I'm like, what is this? This is like Christmas right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it. You you mentioned, uh, you know, you came from a poor area, uh, a rough area, and you were in some gangs. I think you talked you talked publicly about that. You just mentioned it. So how do you get from that point? You're you're in this rough area. I mean, you're in a, you know, gangs, the, the life expectancy is not great, right? When you're a young kid in a gang, how do you channel your, uh, how do you go from 
I guess that situation to like, all right, I'm going to become a professional wrestler and maybe get out of this situation. Like, how did that, how did that happen for you? It was, uh, I was lucky. Uh, meaning like, um, I had, how could I say this the right way? <laughs> I don't want to, uh, I just say I had a, a, a friend, like a president, and he understood. And that's the one thing about, you can say gangs are bad. Some gangs is okay, not great, but some of them is okay. Meaning, like, some of them need to understand what's going on with your life, you know. And these guys, they understood what I wanted, you know. And I tell them, I want to become a professional wrestler. And this man, he was like, if that's your dream and that's your goal, I want you to achieve it. And I want you to prove the world that you can do this. You know, and it was just one of those moments, like, just don't forget about us, because that's like a cardinal rule about myself, like, never forget where you came from, and that's, that's why I'm back in Red Water. I never forget where I came from, you know, but that's a different story, but with these guys, um, like I say, my press, he was like, I want, I want you to achieve your goal. I want you to dream because I'm sick and tired of this people out there, like politician, the police force and everything, looking at us bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, we did things that, you know, <laughs> I did things that I deserve to be in the cage, but also I did things that I helped the community now. I mean, I was part of the Red Cross guys, but I was helping, you know, um, when Puerto Rico had like a storm, I, I, I sent them food. I did things, the positive things. And like I said, like I had people that were very positive and they want us to achieve our dreams. And you need people you need guys and your crew to be positive and understand. If you don't get people who don't understand, then you're never going to make it nowhere. You know, and at that time moment, I want to do something for myself. I was, I was a kid. I was bored. I, 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 I woke up. It was just one of those moments. I need to do something for my life. Or now I'm going to be hanging out with these guys in prison for life. I don't want that. Because one time I did went to prison and it wasn't good. It was not good at all. Just picture yourself being in the bathroom for 24 hours and not getting out of your bathroom. Your bathroom is very small. So I tell people, just picture yourself, just stay in your bathroom for like a week and you will go crazy in three hours. That's how I felt. And I don't want that. And plus, yeah, people that are trying to kill you. And, you know, I, I didn't want that. I didn't. I didn't. I, I got a great family. I seen the big picture. And I had great guys in my crew that understood and they want to see me achieve things. And when my guy told me, I want you to go out there and achieve your goals and be somebody, it was on. It was like, gotcha. And I will never forget where I came from. That's promise. That was back in 1994. And we not we're not being twenty twenty one, and I still got the mindset. I never, I never will forget that. Well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome that you had somebody like that who would support your dreams, and 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 you know really back you up and uh, and want you to not necessarily stay in the same, stay in that life, and and to to do better for yourself. And uh, 
obviously you did. Here we are, you know, you said that was 94. Here we are 20, what is it, 27 years later. Yeah, 27, yeah. And, it's, uh, it's crazy. You're doing, you're doing good. You just mentioned you got a, you got a new child. Is that, is that yeah. right? Yes, yes. I, I, I had a, first. I, had, I got a baby boy, twenty-three years ago, <laughs> and at that time I was still trying to pursue a profession. I was nineteen ninety-six. I was still doing independent circuit all over New York, New Jersey. But now, I, the older I get, I just see everything. Like everything, I just see it. And and I got a girl. That is so scary. <laughs> So it's like I used to be a player back in the days, you know. It's like God's giving me karma. There's a message or something. I don't know, but man, it's it's nerve-wracking. But I always tell people, I'm like guys cube. I could do, you know, comedy and maybe children books, movies, but I still got my AK forty seven under my bed. So don't try me, you know. Oh man, I could just imagine. Uh, when your girl is 16, when that boy comes knocking on the door. Oh, my God. You ever seen Bad Boys? Do you know yeah. yeah. to Will Smith? Yeah. That, that's going to be me and my brother. <laughs> I'll be Will Smith, though. The girl, hi, I'd like you to meet my dad. Homicide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got an ID. I'll do some cartel. Like, give me ID, social security, everything. I want everything. <laughs> Your family blind, bloodline. <laughs> uh, well, let me. He mentioned uh, Manny Fernandez's name earlier. Uh, I know he was one of you. Was he your first trainer, or did you get to him after having some other training, maybe uh, locally? Like, how did you meet Manny? Um, he's actually my. You can say my third trainer. Um, my first trainer, I was training late 93. Um, I had these two independent wrestlers from Brooklyn, New York. Um, that was okay. Um, but I went to New Jersey back in 96, and Manny Fernandez was doing a class, and I was getting my, my butt kicked, and he liked it. He was like, oh, my God, like, you're getting your butt kicked, and you're still getting up. I, I feel like Rocky Balboa. Like, every time I get knocked out, I'm, I'm always getting up. And he loved it. And I was telling him stories like, yeah, man, I love the West Texas guys. And he told me, I'm from the West Texas. I said, what? I said, yeah. And telling me history and everything. And I was telling him my history. And we just clicked. And he showed me everything, the footwork, psychology, basically everything. And some people tell me I could see it. Like the way you move around, I could see a little Manny Fernandez. And I, it felt good. You know, because to me, he's like my, my dad in wrestling. Uh, I always wanted to make him happy. And not only that, man, I always wanted to make my hero, Terry Funk, happy. You know, and Bruce Brody's in the pearly gates right now. I want to make him happy. All those guys, but I was a big mark, a big fan of those wet Texas guys. I want to bring that style to New York City, and I think I did. And after many fans showed me everything it do it was a blessing man it was like so cool to have this guy that i grew up watch because i was watching him feud with Wahoo and daniel that after he went to puerto rico he was feuding with the vaders and Colin cologne and i was like man i can't believe i'm with this guy and yeah the vicious the everything which you see that's all many fernandez yeah manny always struck me as uh legit tough guy like he's you know, underrated bro he's very underrated no question him and rick rude i mean i don't know if you 
You remember? Yes. Yeah, the the bull, the raging bull, and and Manny, uh, yeah, Manny Fernandez, the raging bull, and ravishing Rick Rude. It's a mouthful, but man, what a team they were back in the day. And I love that because you could, if you see them, it's two different styles. Oh, completely. Two complete different styles, and you look if you look at my work, notice that every partner I got is two different styles. My latest tag partner was Eddie Kingston, but before him was Hernandez when we did the group on LEX. If you think about it, that's two different styles. Big Ben, Little Ben. It felt like the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Nyhart. But I also took the style of Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez because those two had two completely different styles, and they worked and they clicked. And it became champions. Yeah, it definitely did. It it was two individuals that you wouldn't necessarily think of as a team, but they put them together. And I think in like one of their first match, it might have been their first match together. They beat the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, yeah. Tag team belts, and yeah, they were they were great back in the managed by the great Paul Jones. Paul Jones, unbelievable. Yeah, all phenomenal, man. It just too bad that it was a short term. Yep. I was saying, like, people with the short term, like Hollywood Blondes, one of the greatest tag teams in the world, they, short term, they broke up. They went, you know, separate paths. They became famous alone. But what a team with the Hollywood Blondes. The same thing with, um, my opinion, R. Anderson and Beautiful Bobby, one of the most underrated tag teams in the world. Oh, yeah. Everybody talks about Toilet Bledger. And Arneson, phenomenal tag team. But I think beautiful Bobby Ian and Arneson, that was a hell of a tag team. Even Levitt Sibisco and Arneson was a great tag team. Yeah. But let's not talk about that because I can go on, on, on. <laughs> yeah, me too. You're talking my era too. But, yeah, Larry Sibisco and Arn Anderson were the enforcers. And that was absolutely another great tag team. Uh, but let's talk about you. Uh, so you're on the independent scene. Uh, you're a big star in um, – Jersey All-Pro. We talked about you being on that first ROH show in 2002. How did that come about? How did you get on Ring of Honor's radar to be on that um, show? Um, it, was, uh, it was a show, and I had knee problems. And there was a gentleman. Um, he came up to me and said, hey, I'm doing this company. It's called Ring of Honor. It's going to be in Philadelphia, and I want you to be a part of it. I told them. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, could you put me in a tag match? I'll never do that. But I was really bummed out with my knee at the time. I really want to make it because that time, I want to go to ECW. Because at the time, WF won the big guys. I wasn't a big guy. ECW came along, different story. And, and, and there was a secret that I almost got hired in ECW. I couldn't make it. But closed down. He comes to Red of Honor. But I wasn't thinking about big plans. I was thinking about, wow, okay, a big independent company who's going to bring a lot of top stars. Yeah, I want to be a part of it. And um, I had a bum knee, and I told him, hey, can you put me in a tag match? I got a partner. He's awesome, phenomenal. He does amateur wrestling. His name is Boogaloo. And we call ourselves the Natural Boy Sinners. And, and I love horror flicks. I love Michael Myers for Halloween. He loves the uh, level face, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So we're going to wear a mask. And he's going to wear, you know, rock the chainsaw. And it came out great with flights and everything. It was phenomenal. And that's how I joined in. Like, it was one of those things that the guy approached me. Hey, I'm doing this company. Okay, got to be in a tag team division. Okay. And boom. And after history was made. 
Yeah, that first match, I looked it up, your very first match, you and Boogie, as you said, the natural-born sinners, against the Boogie Knights. I thought the Boogie Knights were Disco Inferno and uh, Alex Wright, but apparently not. It was Danny Drake and Mike Tobin. Yeah, another, to, to those guys. Um, another underrated tag team. They could have been so phenomenal. Like people believe, if people get the chance to go to YouTube and just talk Boogie Nights wrestling, they are a phenomenal tag team. I like charisma, and if they was with us right now, oh my God, still would be. That would be really, really, really huge. Of course, um, personal issues happen. Not bad things. They take care of the family, stuff like that. They got, they got to control that life. So, but man, that was amazing, amazing that team. So I was looking up uh, some of your your matches that first year, two thousand two. You ended up having a singles match. Uh, it wasn't televised. Well, actually, there was no TV back then, but it wasn't part of the main show. It was a dark match against a kid who was about, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old named Jay Lethal. <laughs> you have memories of that match. Like, what are your early – if you remember that match, what do you remember about – what do you remember about Jay? Like, when you were working this this teenager, were you thinking, man, this this guy is going to be something someday, or did you not see it yet? Uh, I wish I wish that we had Vegas, a casino, and I bet money. I, I could have been a millionaire right now. That that's how confident I was. It all started in Jersey Pro. We did some I call it a bootleg, tough enough, wannabe kind of show. And he was a very rookie. I'm talking about never hit the ring or whatever. And he got a ring against this other kid and man, phenomenal. I was like, man, I picked him to win, and he won. He won the Tough Enough contest. It's not Tough Enough. It was something I forgot what it's called, but it was like, want to be Tough Enough. And he won. And he got picked up during the vine, he's doing special care with these other kids. And I was like, I'm telling you, this kid's going to make it. It's going to go. It's going to be big. I give it to you. I'm going to pull all my bets right now. He doesn't know that, but I got proof that I bet it everything that this kid's going to be somebody. Right now in 2021, like look look at his uh his book. He's a former world champion. Isn't he a Grand Slam champion right now in Red of Honor? That's pretty pretty huge. Yep. He made event Madison Square Garden. I never told him this because I want to shake his hand, but at the time, you know, it's a different era. But he Wrestle and Master Square Garden. That was one of my goals. Not only wrestled that he was the main event. I don't care he lost. He was still the main event in MSG. That's big. To me, that's huge. You know, and I always also remember when uh, we, we left Rhythm on the same time. We joined another company in Orlando at the same time. We left. The same time. He went back to Renovator. I went back to Renovator. I always remember I went back to Renovator September 11 of 2000. Uh, I ran a mistake 10, 2010. And um, I was feeling with Roger Strong, who was a former champion. But my point is, like, we left together. And at the time, I was really banged up. I was hurt. Jelly though was he had something to desire. He was more hungry than ever, more frustrated that he was in Orlando. He could have did more better. And for some reason he went to Ring of Honor and he took over. I mean rumors he's a franchise of Ring of Honor. He really is. 
he's really is the franchise of Ring of Honor. You know, yeah. like, I could be the the shot caller, the triboji, whatever you want to call it. But that guy, that kid, he's definitely is. He was there since day one. He left, came back, and still won a lot of championship. And I'm proud for him. He's he's, he's really a good guy. You know, he, I'm proud that he's the franchise of Ring of Honor. The same thing with the Briscoe brothers. That's, man, I could go on and on with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> More, more day one guys, Ring of Honor day one. They were on that first show as well. Yes. Although Mark was, the story is, Mark was too young to wrestle. So he had to be Jay's manager that night because he was only, what, 16 or 17 years old. They wouldn't let him in the ring. Yeah, but it's worth it's worth it for the wait. Be patient. Oh, yeah. and good things are going to happen. And right now, to me, in my personal opinion, and I got a lot of friends too, but those guys are the greatest tag team, not only in Renovana, but in the world. I'm not going to blow up their smoke or whatever, but those guys are really awesome. They are really the greatest tag team in the world. Well, yeah, to me, they're better than everybody. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like, like you know, you think I'm wrong? Prove it. Step yeah. up your game. Be better than them. Or not, then shut the – you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you on the Briscoes. And to me, what's so amazing about them is they've been doing this since 2002 in Ring of Honor. Here we are almost 20 years later. And I think they might be better today than they were at any, any – I mean, they're just as good now as they've ever been. You talk about as you get older, maybe you lose a step or whatever. I haven't seen it. Not with the Briscoes. And they never left. Everybody left. Yep. I left. The greatest champion of all time, some old joke, he left. So you see Park, he left. Everybody left. He left. He came back. Everybody left except those two redneck thugs. Those guys <laughs> never left. Well, you mentioned Jay Lethal. I think it is interesting, the parallels in your careers, like you said, as far as being in the same place at the same time, leaving, coming back. How fitting was it then that on your first night back in the Ring of Honor ring, which was at the, at the end of the 19th anniversary show, there's, Jay, there's uh, Jay Lethal on the receiving end of the cop killer. So poetic justice may be in a way since your careers were so intertwined. It was just one of those, I might, I might break Kayfield, whatever, but I hugged him. It's great to see you. But I gotta destroy you tonight. <laughs> so, it was just one of those moments. Like, man, I'm so happy. Like, uh, I want to kiss him in his forehead. How's your family? It's great to see you. You know, and I'm sorry, I gotta destroy you. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do, man. Yeah, but it, it was phenomenal. Uh, there's a big. I don't know if I could talk about this, but there's a big rumor about the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, you could talk about anything you want on this podcast. But, yeah, we've actually brought up – I had Joe Koff on here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I brought it up to him. And, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some uh, speculation, if you will, that perhaps next year, the 20th anniversary, that uh, there could be a Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. So, yeah, you could talk about it. Well, like – I've been thinking about this for like for years, and I'm always being selfish with confidence. Like I better be the first ballot. Then I sat I sat down one day. I just looked at the old tapes and the new tapes, just at everything, and I noticed a lot of stuff. And I would say to myself, "Okay, maybe I'm not the first ballot, 
But I better be the first five ballots, so maybe <laughs> the top three ballots, you know. But my first ballot, I don't know if I, I can say my list. Yeah, because, Well, my list, I don't, I don't know how – I hate other Hall of Fames. They do, like, ten guys. I think it should be, like, three or four. The top, like, the four horsemen apocalypse of Reign of Honor or something like that. I call this a lot of rumors, like, this in the keys of Reign of Honor. It's myself, uh, CM Punk, and Samoa Joe. That's cool. Thank you. You know, I appreciate everything. We, we forget there's so many guys that was so amazing in this company. My my first four guys, and hopefully I don't get in trouble, but sometimes they really know I really don't give a damn, but... I'm being real, and some people don't like honesty. But my final four guys we talked about it is the Briscoe brothers. Because those there since day one. That that not single guy. I'm talking about together, you know, like it could be tattoo single. It doesn't matter. Those two deserve they are my first guys to be in the Hall of Fame of Ring of Honor. Like, these guys got their own show in Brand of Honor for the 500th anniversary. I don't care if it's YouTube, Fight Network. I don't care. They got their own show, and it's awesome. It's cool. That was this is day one, and they did so many damage. They, they wrestled Noah, Japan. They wrestled every great tag team, the Bullet Club, the world greatest tag team, myself, someone, Joe, Every everybody, they impress yeah, everybody. everybody. They deserve to be the Lamont Hall of Fame. Jay and Mark, they deserve it. Uh, my number two, I was the well, actually number three. Um, um, Samoa Joe, and the reason why Samoa Joe, he was to me, he's original. He was not a day one guy, but he's still original guy. But he made that championship championship belt so notable. Like everybody wanted to become a war heavyweight champion. If it's not WWF and WWE, WCW, someone just made that belt so precious. Everybody wants to become a Ring of Honor world champion. Everybody, including myself. You know, I, I'm like, I don't care about the money. I want that title. You know, and we have feuds, but but Samoa Joe, who was the longest guy to have that belt, he made that belt so special. He made that belt so not only beautiful, but he made that belt. He made that championship mean something. When people say Ring of Honor, they talk about Samoa Joe and the world title. So to me, Samoa Joe, and he had classics. That's another thing too. Classic with myself, Sierra Pong, uh, BJ Wim, everybody. He's another one. And the other pick, I would say, is Jelito. And, of course, they, I hear my friends are saying, why? This is why. Jelito was there since day one. 17-year-old kid, special K. He did everything. Also, yes, he left, but he came back. When he came back, he tore the house down. True Martinez, he was with the Book of Truth. But he became a Grassland champion. He became a world champion. He... He main event massacre gone. I don't care if he didn't win. He still was. The, I think Jelly though should be part of the Hall of Fame. And right now he's still there. And of course, there's me. <laughs> but but I'll be ballot number two. But I'm going to be very selfish. I should be ballot number one. But in a professional way, to be understanding or whatever, my first four will be the Briscoes, Jelito, and Smojo. Then other guys next to them will be the American Dragon, CM Punk, 
myself because I'm the one who brings that fire to the company. Like, I am the caveman who try to light up the fire and I discover fire. I'm one of those guys, you know. You could you could say Samoa Joe bring the heavyweight. The, he makes the heavy guys look cool. The CM Punk, he's the poet, the science of professional wrestling. I am the fire of pro wrestling. I'm the one who brings that fire. I'm the one that that brings that that intense and just everything. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, this man, I got a list. I, I've really, if that happens to all of fame, I'm telling you, I'm gonna be with my hand to see bottle drinking and talking stories about who's gonna be in this ballot. Well, I tell you what, man, I can't argue with those four picks, like, they'd be hard to argue with anyone of those four. And uh, you talk about bringing the fire, I 100% agree with you as far as what you did. Ring, I remember one time. He literally brought the fire. I remember, like, there was a fireball incident, wasn't it, with you and Samoa Joe? Yeah, it was Samoa Joe. That was the time that I had it. I was a good guy, and that's when I snapped. And um, Samoa Joe was, like, the main villain, you know? Like, I want to be Magneto, and he's, like, Wolverine. <laughs> so right. I wanted to be that kind of guy. And that was like basically the the, the when Hobson was really, really bored as that bad mofo, the Rena Homicide, everything you can say in the history, it was really from that match. And I snapped. I and yeah, the fireball came out and the perfect guy to to feel with was Simone Joe. All right, well, we're going to take our second break here. Man, this is it's great going down memory lane with, uh, with you on this. But we'll take our second break. We'll be back with more of the homicide right after this. Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is ROH original, former ROH world champion, Homicide. We've been uh, talking about so many great memories. I think we could do a whole three-hour, another three-hour podcast just talking about all the great moments in uh, Ring of Honor. But So I want to just hit certain ones i guess that that really kind of stick out one of them you had a best of five series against the american dragon brian danielson and that was uh i guess this was back in maybe 2005 uh yeah six. yeah but you did uh submission match uh falls count anywhere tape fist lumberjack and then it ended with a cage match uh he won or you won the first two he won the next three but what do you remember about that series um, two different styles, but of course, a lot of people really don't know. I could do technical styles, but in the world of Ring of Honor, in the fans' eyes, who doesn't know, it was two completely different styles, and I enjoyed it. I also bring that fire to them, because Dan Bryan, what to me, he reminded me like uh, uh, no flavor in your ice cream. He was just vanilla, no chemistry, no nothing. 
People say he was bored. He was just pure great wrestler. He was like Steven Riggle without the British ass or whatever, or the Bob Ackler, you know? So you got to give him a little flavor. Now, put a little color to his, you know, craft. And I think, like, uh, me and the other people, we put that little color on his on his style, you know? And I think it's more the confidence and the charisma level just come out. I could be wrong, but I really think that it was very black. And, we, and I'm the one who bring that little flavor and more of a tense. Like, when he wrestled me, it was really one of those, like, okay, I'm I'm wrestling one of the top dogs. I need to step up my game. And he, he sure did. He's one of the greatest guys. He's another one who should be in the Hall of Fame. But the American Dragon, um, he's a phenomenal technical wrestler, and he proved to me he could brawl. That's a guy that you look at, that's like looking at Bob Backlund. You'd be like, God, well, he just do wrestling. Let him fight Stan Hansen. He wrestled Stan Hansen. He did right. great. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, the 23, I always remember because I'm a hardcore baseball guy, and I, I was one win away to win the series. And he was very depressed about it. And I remember... And I hate to say this, but the Boston Red Sox defeated the New Yankees uh, four out of seven, and they, they caught up. It was the same thing, just like the playoffs. Yankees 3-0, trial, and boom. Boston Red Sox came back, and he, they won the series. They went to the World Series. That happened the same thing with me and their bride. Mm -hmm. you know, I was one win away, and he caught up. And he got in the microphone, and he's going to say, okay, you got this, but I'm going to defeat you just like the Boston Red Sox did to the New Yankees. And he did. He defeated me. And I think it was a phenomenal few, very underrated few. A lot of people don't talk about that few, but me and Brian, we, we had a, a lot of chemistry and two different worlds. We clicked very well. And it was it, to me, it was awesome. It was one of the uh, great guys that wrestled, and one of the uh, big fuse that I was will talk about. Well, he may have won the best of five series, but you actually got the last laugh. Final battle, two thousand and six. You ended Daniel Bryan's long reign as Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, it was at the Manhattan Center again. Final battle, two thousand six. What are your memories of that night? You talked about, you know, dreaming of becoming the world champion. It happened. You became the Ring of Honor world champion, beat Brian, who had a great reign. Uh, what are your memories of that night? Well, um, it was one of the greatest moments in my, my, my recent career. Um, I had great, great moments, but that really tops it. When, I, when I'm 90 years old with so many concussion syndromes, I can't even think about nothing. I'm always going to talk about that day, this 2006, you know. And I always remember, like, guys like CM Punk, he just – signed with WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it. He signed with them, and he took a plane and went to New York City to watch that match. Then you got the Briscoe brothers that had a very intense feel with those guys. There was a behind the curtain watching the match. Like, everybody was like, man, this is big for Homicide. This, this is his chance, you know? And, man, that motivated me so much, and... When I defeated him, he looked at the video, all the guys that came in the ring, that was really a, a shoot. That was for real. That was a fake. When I grabbed that belt and I hugged Julius Smokes, like, yo, Jay, look at what I got. And um, 
I was shocked. I was surprised because to me, it, I feel I deserve it. I feel that I'm part of that that crew. Meaning, like everybody talks about, like like Carl Cabana, uh, CM Punk, Joe, uh, Christopher Daniels, and people deserve to be talked. They 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 legends, all of them. But I deserve to be part of that that stable, that crew. That I want to be mentioned. That Homicide is one of those guys. And when I beat Dan Bryan for that belt, man, it felt it so good. It felt like winning the Super Bowl, winning the World Series. That was my WrestleMania moment, if that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> it was fun to battle, but man, it was it was a moment that I never ever like. I mean, one of my greatest moments is having my baby girl got born <laughs> for my second is winning that title. It was amazing. All the emotional, the feelings, the people, they went crazy. Everything was real. Everything. Like, when people see that tape again, just look at the ending. When everybody came to the, to the locker room, to the ring, celebrate with me. When I was hugging Kerry Silken, when me and Dan Bryan shook hands, I was real. To me, Brian is like, okay, you're the world champion. You got this. Now you got the company in your back. Good luck. That felt good, man. I felt really good. You know, of course, I had the belt for like three, four months. I lost it, but I never, ever, ever, ever cannot forget that day. Never. Especially New York City is my hometown. Come on, man. Can't beat that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, let me talk about another guy that you had uh, some matches with. Complete opposite of Brian Danielson, a guy named Necro Butcher. Uh, there was one match in particular. Well, he was, you were very involved in that whole ROH versus CZW feud. In fact, you were one of the key guys in it because you, you won the, uh, was the cage of, of death uh, for Ring of Honor uh, in that final showdown. But you had a match with Necro Butcher where, I, like, there was like hundreds of chairs being thrown in the ring, right? <laughs> I got to chop up for that. Oh man! First of all, like uh, I'm gonna get p- people pissed off. I really didn't want to do it. I don't want to be part of this Renevander versus CZW. Uh, at the time, the booker was doing the just trust me, just trust me, and I did. And man, it became a legacy. But yeah, that day with the chair, but neck butcher. All I remember is I threw one chair, two chair. And sometimes I get in that mode, like, 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 I don't think about it. just screw it. Just go ahead. And I remember I told a fan, just throw the chair, throw everything in. There was like about a thousand chairs in the ring. And I got it in the microphone and tell the people to stop throwing chairs because I see the promoter being pissed off. So I'll say to myself after the match, I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired. So that's going to happen, but it's not good. And, um, that match became my legs, and that's when Ring of Homicide was born. I, it was that match. And I just like, I, I love being natural. And that match was so naturally, it was not script. It was, I, I, I loved it. It was one of my favorite feuds uh, of all time. And the funny thing is, I, I didn't want to do it. I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be part of this, this story of CZW. All I want to do is go after Simone Joe for the world title. But of course, Monjo was feuding with CZW. So it felt like 
Ah, oh, come on, homicide. Help us. Help us, you know. But I got a lot of friends in CCW, you know. I just don't want to be part of it. But I did, and I, w- I won't regret it. I'm happy that, you know, the promoter <laughs> at the time was telling me, just trust me. You're going to be good. It was. It was good. It was more than good. I mean, Cage Death, that was another big pop. And I got... Nobody doesn't know that I, I, I told the story that I hated the Four Horsemen. J.J. Dillon was part of the Four Horsemen. It was that moment that we did eye contact that I was like, this is my era. I don't care about your era. Right. It was one of those things. Like, I always want to take this, but I hate you. I hate the horse, the Horsemen. I hate you, J.J. And at the time, I fitted with Jim Cornette. And um, look, man, Jim Cornette, everybody hates him. I like him. <laughs> a lot of people hate him, but he's a crazy white boy, you know? <laughs> you got you to gotta respect that. <laughs> Jim Cornette will always tell you how he feels. I think that's one thing you can say about Jim. He does. You got to respect that. You know, sometimes you go too far. You know, yeah. I get it. You know, like to me, when you talk about personal, you know, excuse my language, but personal stuff, I'm going to get you. But, Jim, uh, we did great business when he was in Ring of Honor, and I always believe on guys who are veterans who did great, good things about this business. Jim Quinn is one of them, man. He helped me. He taught me a lot of vices to help my character and help my – he, uh, he could have been like, ah, homicide, you just a ghetto kid from the streets. Well, I don't want to help you. You know, and he did. He sure did. So – I appreciate that. A lot of people, when they, when they do it, that's why I want to bring back the community. I want to bring it back because a lot of people help me. Now I want to bring it back. That's why, I like, I'm all ears. You know, I'm all eyes. If somebody tell me, hey, you can watch a match, I'm going to watch it. And they're telling me, hey, can you give me some pointers? You're not going to like what I'm going to say. I'm being real. But, hey, man, I'm going to tell you the truth. Some people don't like that. But hey, that's the way I am. I love, I love talking the truth. Yeah, if anybody's going to ask your advice, right, they got to understand you're going to give it to them straight. Exactly. Like, I'm part of the boys. You know? This thing, and, and there's rusted codes in the back that I hate the most. And my coaches or ages, they come to you and they tell you, if your match was bad, they're always trying to be nice. And they will tell you, it could be better, but this is the way it should be. I don't like those words. I appreciate that you watching my match and everything, but tell me the truth. Tell me, like, man, homicide, that match really sucked, and this is why. Tell me, just be brutally honest with me. Don't tell me things like, oh, it could be better, you know? I That's just me. The way I age it, because I'm an agent too, I just tell them the truth. Of course, I will apologize. Look, I'm going to apologize I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to tell you, sometimes, you know, I say things I go too far. Like, hey, man, like, why are you hitting like that? You're like a little, you know, like a <laughs> So I'm just very honest, you know, like, I just, I just can't lie to you. You know, I can't say, like, it could be better, but it's not. If that match was horrible, I cannot tell you that. I'm going to tell you, it sucks. It's really bad. And we need to fix your craft. And this is how we're going to do it. I cannot say this could be better. No, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> right. Anybody who wants to get better, then they will take those words. They will heed your advice. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the guys that really want to get better, 
uh, they'll appreciate you giving it to them. Unfiltered. Exactly. Like, like I was tell people, like it's like a football team or a baseball team. Like I'm a pitcher coach. I want my team to be great. I'm gonna tell you, like, okay, it sucked. We're gonna fix that. We're gonna fix that problem because the next time, we're gonna hit a home run. You know, and that I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm a very pure team player. Like I'm not a diva guy. I'm not one of those people to think about myself. Now sometimes you, you do gotta think about yourself because you got a lot of snakes out there. But when you got a great team and and guys that support you, you want to help out because they're helping you. So give it back, you know. And if don't guy to me, if if a guy seems not tro- trustworthy and uh, what what's that word I'm looking for like. Basically, like, um, if I can't trust you and, and you feel like you're a diva, then I'm not gonna talk to you at all. Right. Like, if you tell me, like, hey, you saw my match, I'm gonna say, no, I didn't. And they say, why? Because you're a diva, you know? I like when people are together like a team, you know, because that's what we are. We are a team, it's not an I. If you are an I, go to another promotion, you know. Worry about yourself. I always tell people I have a confidence in yourself that you're the best. Roosh is the world champion. I feel I'm better. You know why I feel better? Because I'm confident that I'm better. He can wrestle everywhere he wants. Internationally, he has so many belts. Like, all right, Bob Backlund in the 70s, he's amazing. I think I'm better. Why? I'm confident. That's why. If you got no confidence, you're going to be nobody. You got to have confidence in yourself. You are somebody. I got great confidence. I'm a somebody. And people say, like, yeah, all right, homicide. You're nobody. It sucks to be you then. <laughs> I feel good for myself. <laughs> Let me ask you about another guy that you had a lot of matches with, uh, CM Punk. Uh, his name's come up a few times on this podcast uh, today. Punk, you guys had some great matches in Ring of Honor. But I'm going to ask you about one match in particular that I don't, I don't think it took place in Ring of Honor. It actually took place in a strip club. Tell me about, I, what promotion was that for? Uh, FIP. That was like uh, okay. secondary Brin of Honor, um, like right. a sister cousin promotion. And um, we had a Texas death match. And um, it was the back of a strip club. And Punk, man, he just told me like, hey, D, um, no, it's true, but it's not a Texas death match. It was a pinfall count anywhere match. And um, he's telling me, yo, you want to go to a street club? That CM Punk is really straight edge. He don't like stuff like that. And I respect him for, for being like that. And um, he told me, yo, you want to go to the back to a street club? I'm like, you're right. I'm just going to follow you. And somehow we went around to the front door. We went inside. The bouncers was looking at us like, like I think it was more of a fan than doing his job. We go to the stage where the strippers is at. I'm really looking at the strippers like, oh, my gosh, you got a fine body. You know, <laughs> like a man, you know. CM Punk got like Terry Fall, like, you Those strippers got so pissed off of that, like really, really angry. After that, we finished the match. We got to the back. Of course, we got in trouble, but it was funny. Tonight was like, no, you cannot do that. But it was hysterical. It was funny, but you cannot do that. 
and all the strippers were so angry. Like, that guy with the long hair who wears the Chicago Cubs hat, he needs to apologize to us because I feel offended. I was drinking my beers. I was telling Sam Paul, well, good luck with that, you know, because I'm not going to do it. And I think he did it. He did it. He was more like, man, screw those man. I, I mean it. And I like Punk, man. He's very... Uh, a lot of people disagree with his opinion, man, because the way he talks, he say things that he just, he's being brutally honest, you know? Like, I still love this dude. You know, I, I still love this guy. Like, he, we got, like, a little inside joke that when, when Tomorrow Joe got released from the company, he made, like, a, a joke, a Twitter account joke. And it was one of those jokes that nobody doesn't know. It was really Dave Chappelle, like, sitting in the couch. And I can't say the curse word, but he said, screw your couch. Hey, hey, hey. And we always talk about that. Like, when you're famous, you know, I'm going to hate your guts. But it's it's with love. It's like I'm jealous of you, Simone Joe, because you're in WrestleMania. I don't care you got a raincoat, but you're still in WrestleMania, and you're in Tampa. And I'm home right now watching you, and I hate your guts. And I hope you die. But I don't mean it. No, it's just <laughs> love. And CM Punk, he did that with Simone Joe. And that's one of the guys I was telling you, like, never forget where you came from. Punk is really like that. He never figured where he came from. The guy still calls me to this day. So very, very happy with, with his success. I hope he does good in the future. Let's see what happens. I hope our unit comes with me and Joe and Punk. All right, man, before we get to the 10 questions, I just want to ask you one last thing. And like I said, I know we could, uh, man, we could do another three-hour podcast of things I'd love to talk to you about, but I know your, your time is limited. But just in general, what are, what are your goals? And I know you just got back in Ring of Honor, but are you looking ahead at all? Like, what are your goals? Uh, this is your third run with the company. What would you like to accomplish? And, um, you know, where do you see yourself eventually? Is it working behind the scenes? Uh, well, number one, I want to be like the new mid-dollar man. I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, but behind the scenes, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think I did everything in as a performer, a fighter, but uh, behind the scenes, that is a definitely. Uh, I always talk crap like Terry Funk always says, I'm going to retire. You know how many times I say that? 20, maybe 40 times, and I always come back. It's in my blood, and I need to do, I need a closure. And I think the only closure that I need is go behind the scenes and I'll be a, a pitching coach, and after that, become a manager. Uh, coach or whatever you want to call it. But balancing, that's a hundred percent. What I want to do is right now is perform, have my little closure as a performer, because I think homicide deserves a closure. Then after that, go behind the scenes and um just make people better. Because there's a lot of people out there that could be better, but they're not. Because like I was telling you, you need confidence. And I want everyone to have confidence in themselves to be the best. But Dan and even Sam Park, do you remember when they say, like, I'm the best in the world? That's yeah. confidence. They yeah. always say that. Like, it was like, oh, shut up already with that crap. But those being for real, they are the best in the world. I look at Dan O'Brien. He, he main event, WrestleMania. Rumors, he's a writer. 
and, and that company. CM Punk, I don't care. He not to do nothing. He's still the man. You know, but they are the best in the world. Yourself, you're doing the podcast. I know you're the best in the world. You're the best on doing this podcast. Like I told you, I'm the best. <laughs> I'm better than Bob Michael and all those guys, but I'm very confident. But Banshees, that's 187 plus. Awesome. Uh, well, hey, man, this, like I said, this was an awesome conversation. Uh, we got one more, one more thing to do, the 10-question segment. Are you up for a- answering 10 questions? Yes. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, here we go. Question number one. What's something on your bucket list? Like, what's something you want to achieve? It doesn't have to be in wrestling. It could be in life. Like, what's something that you want to do before you uh, say goodbye? <sighs> Great question. I think uh, uh, wrestle at basketball guard. That would be one that's a performer, MSG. If not, I like to uh, wrestle somewhere that is part of New York City as my last. But MSG is number one. And um, after that, behind the scenes, it could be any company, but I like to be a, 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 a big coach slash agent. All right, question, num- question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Psychology. Hmm. Okay. Psychology, obviously very important in the wrestling business. Very, very important. Psychology and charisma. Okay. With no psychology and no charisma, your character doesn't mean nothing. You got to have those. If you don't got that, then it's out the window. You got to have that. You got you could, you could be like... Great talented, you got the greatest moves ever, but if you don't got those two, you got nothing. Question number three. If you can have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, alive or dead, uh, who would that be? Who would you love to sit down and talk to? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci, because Homicide mixed with Terry Funk Put them, put them in a blender. I mean, sorry. Joe Pesci, Terry Funk equals homicide. Joe Pesci is big part of homicide. I st- what I do is I study movies, and I take their little style and their craft. Joe Pesci is major of homicide. Like, I study his character from Goodfellas, all-time favorite movie. I study his character. I study Casino. I even study Home Alone. Just be <laughs> stupid and comic, you know? But yeah. Joe Pesci is one. Number two is Bruiser Brody. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. You and Brody sitting down to talk about the finer points of uh, of brawling. That would be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Alright, question number four. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that uh, we may not know about? Uh, technical wrestling and cardio. Okay. Like a lot of people say, I smoke a lot at 420, but when it comes to my cardio, I am, I'm like Superman. Don't let people like cardio and then O'Brien. I'm one of them. But a lot of people, when it comes to China, a lot of people, it seems like I just brawl. I could do it all. 
I could do behind the scenes. I could do everything. Technical wrestling, I'm very smart. Like I was telling you as a joke, I'm like Doogie Howser of professional wrestling. I know a lot of things. People be very surprised because oh, I was a that gambagger. He all he does is smoke weed and drink beer, blah, blah, blah. You'd be very surprised. All right, question number five. This is an interesting uh, question for you. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe that it exists? Mm. Man, I think I don't. Okay. And it's hard to uh, to think if... I never had it. I never experienced it. Not never close. Okay. But I do believe everything. <laughs> So it's possible. You never know. You never know. Like, um, you never know. You you might see flying cars. I mean, when we was little, we was watching the stupid cartoon, the Jetsons. And look what happened. They were showing flying cars. So you never know if that could happen in real life. But, um, yeah, it's possible. It might happen. All right, question number six. Did you have a celebrity crush growing up? Yes. I got a bunch. That was porn stars. <laughs> <laughs> any, any anyone in particular? Oh, Vanessa Dario, uh, Tia Cherry. Right now, I'm ghetto. So right now, it's Jasmine St. Clair. And, uh, excuse my language, uh, Tia Sweet. I like the MILFs, like Leah, Lisa Ann, Sarah J. I like the old school uh, stars, not the new ones. Quincy Mack, she's she's cool. She's all right. She's okay. She's a pretend too, but I don't know. Lisa Ann, she's the the greatest month of all time. I was gonna say you mentioned some classic names there. Vanessa yeah. Dillon, gonna... I should be Krista Cage. I'm the classic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number seven. If there was a movie about your life, who would what actor would play you? Who plays Homicide? Oh my God. As a joke, it be Stephen Stallone the way he talks, because I'm not a great talker. <laughs> but, uh, man, as for myself, that's a great one. But I would say uh, Al Pacino, because he plays Scarface, but I like the young Al Pacino, not the, the one we got right now, the current one. Yes. Or, or who knows? Maybe you could play yourself in uh, in the movie about your life. Yeah, I mean that's that's. Uh, I I forgot that guy's name. He's a great actor. Um, he's he's like a rookie actually. Uh, Greenhorn, you won't even call it. But I like I said, I would love Joe Pesci, but it gotta be you know past, not current. Current yeah. is like literally like I don't know if you saw the what it's called, the Irish, the Irishman, the movie they did with about the Euro. It was great computer effects, but currently, the way you see them, I don't know, man. They look like a bunch of godfathers. <laughs> All right, question number eight. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? Great stories. Everything is, is dream matches. I like feuds. They're more classic. Mm-hmm. You, you, you get you you talk to my more about that. Like right now, we were talking about me and Samoa Joe, me and Sam Park, me and Dan Bryan because they classics. 
Street matches are cool. They're okay, you know, but I want to see feuds. Yeah. yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying there. All right, question number nine. What's the last TV show that you binge-watched or maybe you're currently binge-watching? Uh, the Minds MC. Okay. F- FX. Um, I like... I don't know. I, got, I, I fell in love with the Sons of Anarchy. I like violent stuff. I don't know if you noticed my name, but I love violent stuff. I mean, I could, I could say I love the Simpsons. They're married with children. The Seventy Show, but when it comes to like dark, you know, shows, I like the Minds MCs. Um, I was in love with the Sons of Anarchy because it remind me of, of a cool that I know. And when uh, but the guy his name is Kurt Stutter. I forgot his name. He's still creative. I like the way his passion, the way he writes stuff. Uh, it's more like the believable stuff. Like when you look at a show, you're like, wow, this looked for real. This this should be true story, even though it's science fiction. But some of it is true. And uh, mine's MC, bunch of Latinos, bikers, outlaws, deal with the cartels. Remind me like somebody that I know, but. <laughs> I, I, I love the writings. I, I love the, the story. I love stories, man. That's the one thing I love about wrestling, stories. If you got no story in wrestling, you got nothing. Just like psychology and charisma. Yeah, man, that's what it's all about, telling stories. Uh, telling stories to get uh, the match set up, why we want to see these two guys fight, and then telling the story in the ring. Exactly. Be a damn right. Be had a great story. When I won the world title, that's the story. And everything became real. Like we watched the tapes, everybody came to uh, to the ring. Like I said, CM Punk came came from Chicago, flew his way. See me, uh, the people went crazy. That was the story. That was a six month story, maybe more. Yeah, absolutely. All right, question number ten. This is our final question. What's the best advice that you've been given about the wrestling business, and who gave it to you? Uh, Manny Fernandez. Um, he's the one that was telling me like, um, be yourself. Don't be nobody. If you be yourself, uh, of course, have that confidence of yourself. If you don't got that, then you're never gonna, you're never gonna have fun. You're never gonna be nobody. Be yourself all the time. If you're not yourself, then why you keep doing this? And I always took that. To another level. And of course, the other one was uh, never forget where you came from, ever. Because I see so many people forget where they came from and it hurts. And that's one thing about myself. I never forget where I came from. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going back to the ghetto, to the projects in my house. Nah, I'm not. I'm just talking about never break your ego, especially the, the, the family, the friends who supported you. Never turn their back on them. And yeah, just those two, many fans and my friends. Them is Tony from Brooklyn. All right, man. Well, hey, I, I gotta tell you again, I, I enjoyed this conversation uh, immensely. It was great walking down memory lane with you, all the great moments in Ring of Honor. And um, I just want to say, on, on, again, on behalf of everybody, welcome back, welcome back home, to ROH, sure. and. Uh, Good luck with Violence Unlimited going forward, man. Can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, thank you so much for this call to everything. Uh, thank you for the support. And hopefully, you know, the new era, and new chapter, your podcasts get bigger. The future holds. And it should be bigger. All right, man. I want to also thank everybody out there for listening and say 
Remember, a new episode of ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong. If you want to see the very best Dungeons and Dragons on the planet, you need to watch us on Roleplay of Honor. Join these stars and more for Roleplay of Honor.